Welcome to episode five of our five-part investing in women-centric transport series with Nangamso Matibese Maponya. I'm Timothy Maurice Webster, a behavioral psychology author, and my interest in women's leadership and gender equality brought myself and Nangamso together to explore her pioneering vision for women in transport. Nangamso, welcome to episode five. Can you believe it's five already? I cannot believe it. Episode, I can't believe it's the last episode of this series. It's been quite an exciting journey and thank you for doing this. I'm looking forward to this last conversation for the series. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to episode one through four prior to listening to this episode. We began in episode two exploring Nangamso's investing in women-centered transport model Episode two, three, and four, the model. Let's just recap real quick to give people a quick summary in case they can't listen to those before listening to this one. Thanks, Timothy. Yes, that's very important. So in the introduction episode, we talked about why it's important to invest in women-centric transport. And we introduced the model in that episode. The model was then described in three different episodes. It consists of three parts infrastructure, design, growth, which I believe are key in achieving women-centric transport environment. So one of the things that we boldly said in the, in the first and the second episode is that transport systems are designed by men for men and make women vulnerable. Generally, we call this gender-neutral designs. And in my view, this is exactly what perpetuates inequality. We then also talked about the importance of women's mobility to growth and social cohesion and development, focusing on empowerment of women for the benefit of their households, the children, the elderly, and the general society. We talked about in the, in the last episode, the growth episode, we focused on how we can use improved and inclusive transport systems to actually improve progress on other sustainable development goals, which are health, education, and poverty eradication, et cetera. The main purpose of the transport system, which we said in the infrastructure episode, is to support human activity. It merely means that it's a basic service or it's a basic need. What we want to touch on in this episode is what then happens. And my view is that we need women's voices in order to drive and lead the change that we need to see. If you are a woman in transport, you are a gender equality activist or a young person who is trying to find a career in any sector, look into an opportunity to get into a transport sector, either as in a professional, an engineer, in the operations, in decision-making, and in every different part of the value chain. So the women in transport, particularly those who are in decision-making, those who influence what happens in those three different areas, in infrastructure and in design, as well as in the economic side, which drives growth. You need to listen to this very carefully. I'm one of them. And I'd like to point out to all of us that this is the opportunity for us to think why we need to get involved, how do we get involved, and what do we need to see as the change. One of the most powerful things women like you and women in transport can do is mentor young people at an early age. One of the things that we discovered to get women into technical careers like engineering, 
to get them to stick, you've got to start at around the age of 10, 11, 12, a preteen age. What happens at a preteen age is that their identity is being formed. If you start trying to mentor young people to get in engineering and technical careers at around 17, 18, 20 years old, they will often resist it because their ideals around how they want to live their life has already been formed. And so this was discovered when I was working with an organization, a commercial truck engineering organization. So we found that even if you sponsor their bursaries, even if you give them money, if you give them cars, everything, they will come into the technical career, but then end up leaving and going to a softer career. So you've got to get them early, develop programs where you can bring preteens in, and you will find that we can really start growing the pipeline of young people into this transport space. Thank you for that, Timothy. It's very true. What we have been doing in the past four episodes, our conversation was based on highlighting problems, highlighting what's not working and why it's not working and why women are at the mercy of the system that is not designed for them. And it's putting them in an environment where they can advance their goals. They can't develop themselves. They, they can't they can progress in anything that they intend and they wish to do. Now, I want to shift the focus a little bit and say, why don't we then look for the space where we can take responsibility, where we can say, what change can we contribute towards? Yes. What can we do? Practically, to see what, practically. Practically look at where am I? What role do I have? How do I influence the change that I want to see? So firstly, I want to say, why should a woman's voice be a sounding voice rather than just a mere cry for help? Okay. There are three reasons why. One, it's our responsibility to do something as women to change the status quo. We can raise awareness, that's one. However, taking action is a different thing. So we need to be able to take action. So the women I've described, and I've I've said they must pay particular attention to this episode, are those women that I'm talking to today. I'm saying, what action are you taking? You need to be able to take action. Secondly, the reason why your voice is important is because no one else knows what your issues are. And they're probably ignorant of the facts. And they're simply going about their ordinary business. Men have moved and the system has worked for them. They probably don't even know what needs to be changed or why it should change. So your voice is important. I think one of the most critical things here about human behavior is that whatever is highest on people's value list is what you see in the world. So whatever is important to you, for example, if you take a pregnant woman and a pregnant woman walks through the mall, she will definitely see the baby shop. Whereas a guy would walk right past it. If his favorite team is gonna be playing a sports match in the coming weekend, he will notice the sports shops because whatever is highest on your value list that's driving your nervous system is what you're gonna be drawn to. So you can't expect men to see what you see because our brains are wired differently and our value systems are different. So if you're a woman and you are an activist or you're in transport or you desire to be in transport, or even if you're a man, if you can think about what matters to a woman, you can shift your value system and start seeing things differently. It's like when you rose to my awareness that day, 
that only women, very few women will be walking alone. Now, if I see a woman walking alone, I will ask her, is she okay? Would she like me to walk with her to her bus stop, for example? So by raising to people's awareness, you can change how we see the world. And I think this is a very important insight about human behavior, understanding that you see what you see, but other people don't see it. The point that you're making, it then talks to the last point I wanted to raise, why then more women need to be in the driving seat. Speaking out on social equity is one thing, and, and it has its own benefits. Social equity has its own benefits. Like it has shifted your mindset around various things. As we've just had the conversation in, in this series, it changed your mindset. So that's key, but it's, it's one aspect of it. But forging a way towards a transport system that works for everyone is an action that we all need to think about and say, what action do we need to take? Who, need, who stands to benefit? And if we don't do anything, who stands to lose? And the general society will lose because by depriving a woman that opportunity to participate economically and depriving them of educating their children and giving them access to health, other social um, needs, we are then depriving our own growth as a society. But it has to start from the point of view of those who are most affected. So one of the examples around why women need to take the leading seat, they need to drive and lead this conversation, is I've looked at the South African Economic Recovery Plan post-COVID-19. And when I searched for what government intends to do in improving transportation, so I searched for the word transport and transportation, and I get various projects and initiatives that are meant to, to assist government in driving this economic recovery. Then I said, okay, what does government intend to do around women? Maybe getting women involved or doing um, some work to improve a woman's life or anything. So I searched for the word woman or women and not a single word, not a single sentence included a woman in that economic recovery plan. We, we back and we remain in that neutrality around issues. We pretend as if there are no differences in how people behave, people, people move and need to be accommodated in the system. We pretend as if everything, the playing grounds are equal, a level for everyone, when in actual fact, they're not. And if we continue that way, and as women who have something to give, who have value to add, if we don't recognize that gap and we put ourselves forward and we say, let me put my voice in, let me contribute towards the change that I want to see. Let me drive it in the little, in the corner that I am in, in the space that I'm in. That's the only way we'll be able to see any difference in how things are shaping up. Now one would ask, how do we improve the system? Now we're talking about a transport system. How do we do that? So we can do that in various forms. In terms of, I would focus on, on education and training and then focus on operations. In education yeah. and training, I said to young people, if there's any young person here, or if you're listening and you think that there's an opportunity for someone you know, 
who would benefit from this conversation, please share this with as many young people as possible. Young people need to consider careers in the transport value chain. This is an opportunity for them to start thinking what has disadvantaged them in trying to navigate their way using a transport system and then try to include the improvements that would benefit the next generation themselves as well as the next generation. So in the space of training and development, that's a massive opportunity for people to start thinking that's where change can be driven. Now I want to go into the operations side. One of the biggest benefits of having women in, in operations is that women are generally more risk averse than men. Mm. So you automatically improve safety on the roads. There's, there's women drive, the, the women motorbike drivers are very scarce. You can <laughs> literally count them in, in one hand. I don't know how many times I've seen, I, I don't even remember passing a woman motorbike, motorcycle. I have a Vespa that I drive sometimes. And whenever I see a woman, it's weird because you, you pull up to her, you next to her and she says, hi, and you're still trying to internalize, this is a woman on this bike. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> and those are the high. Those are the high risk. I'm, I'm mentioning motorcycle on purpose because these are, are typically the high risk, and the, the the accidents are usually fatal if an accident happens in a in a motorbike. Motorbike, they're yes. Generally, they're generally fatal. And then you have taxis and buses. These are mostly driven by men than women. You can improve safety there. You include more women in those driving seats. How many accidents are caused by trucks? But you look at how many men versus women drive trucks. So it's a no brainer that a lot more women in this high risk type of transport operations can actually improve the, the safety. So it's not for the benefit of women now, it's for the benefit of the general population. So yes. we need to start thinking to, for, why, for whose benefit do we need to make this change? For everyone's benefit. Yes, you may, women are going to benefit by advancing careers in those spaces. However, we all stand to benefit as a society. We spoke about harassment in the first episode. Harassment would definitely re be reduced should you include more women in train stations, taxi operating, taxi ranks, taxis being driven by women, harassment, and all sorts of abuse towards women and children can be reduced. It's then to encourage more women to come into the space so that we can all get to benefit from this, from this positive change. So I said that we need to focus on finding solutions. Victim mentality is the thing of the past. It's not going to solve the problem. We may be... <laughs> It's not going to solve the problem. It, it, it's sometimes disorientating to change your behavior and forget about your value system and, fo and focus on doing things differently. But something has to be done. Until, until you are uncomfortable in your position, you're not going to do anything. You're going to keep repeating and complaining and talking about how disadvantaged you are. But, but you need to get to a point where you take responsibility and say, what can I do to make the necessary change for my and everyone else around me's benefits? Yeah, I think that 
part of the reason why people don't get off their chair to drive change is that leaders have not created a pathway. And I think this is an opportunity. What you're doing is saying, here are practical ways. And this is what leadership really is, is to go, I see an opportunity that maybe other people don't even think about. So what you've done is given people uh, a channel and an avenue so they have no excuses now. <laughs> yes, we need to walk away from all excuses. I'm a woman in investment, focusing on the transport sector as an infrastructure um, subsector. My task and my commitment is that each and every time I consider a transport environment, I need to think about a woman. I need to think about a woman in the structure, the ownership structure of the project I'm looking at. I need to think about the woman in the design of the system that we intend to finance. I need to think about a woman in the operations and say how many women are involved in how the system will be operating. How many women are involved in the decisions that will be taken about this company that we are investing in. And I need to be able to actively, I, ca I can convert one person at a time, but I need to take, I need to do my part and make sure that each and every time I consider an investment, I look beyond just the work of the, of the bank. I look beyond the work of developing hardcore infrastructure, but making sure that the woman is catered for. There's a change. Thank you for that. Thank you. That <laughs> So, so we need to raise our voices. That's the message for this episode. Let's raise our voices. Let's make the necessary change. Complaining, the time to complain is over. I need to, to go back again to, to your behavioral psychology <laughs> yes. and say, maybe then pose a question to you. In your view, do you think that women enjoy having an excuse to do something because there's something that is is hindering them from progressing they can wake up and say oh no i didn't take that job because of transport and therefore mm. i'm excused it, or do you think women are doing something or are uncomfortable with the fact that they cannot progress they haven't taken that job because something stood in their way I think generally speaking, women are wired to operate in the area of priorities. Wherever there are clear links between what I'm doing and a absolute need to solve a problem. So for example, it's not so much that the excuse is something that women enjoy. It's, it's like, if I can't see where what I'm doing and where I'm going, there's a clear bridge that I'm going to build a bridge somewhere else where I know I can solve a problem. Women are really about solving problems and making sure the environment is well so that we can all be nurtured. The, the idea of creating the bridge and being a solution is what transport really is. It's a bridge from A to B. If I'm going to work, a transport is designed to get me to work. It's a bridge. So if a woman mm. does not see that this bridge is clear and it's going to make me vulnerable and my home vulnerable, I'm probably not going to try to cross that bridge. And so mm. I think society needs to be clear that it's not a weakness that women have by making excuses. It's like 
Women want to apply their energy and apply their time where they know that there's going to be a bottom line delivery and a bottom line value. And I think that that's why I've gotten so excited about this conversation is because most of the stuff we're talking about in terms of resistance and human behavior is very much unconscious. People are not aware that Mm -hmm. they're even making these excuses. They're not even aware that they're resisting. And I think this is an opportunity for us to raise awareness and give people tools, give people practical ways to think differently about getting from A to B. And I think this is what this conversation is about. At the end of the day, the investing in women-centric transport model is going, we're investing in people's minds, in people's perspective, in the actual system and the structure to ensure that women get to A to B to be able to live out their goals and dreams. Okay, so one of the things, Timothy, I, I, I keep hearing is that women get uncomfortable to talk about this, to have this conversation because they are seen as complaining. We're always complaining. Mm. We want preference. We want special treatment. One of the ladies we're organizing for Smart Mobility Conference, and she says, I'm struggling to get women's speakers for the conference. And because women get to sit in those conversations and feel like men are so tired of hearing us complaining that we're not given opportunities. I just want to be that woman who doesn't complain and just appreciate mm. where I am. Mm. And, and when, I, when I think about it, the more we shy away from having these uncomfortable conversations, but at the same time, avoiding speaking like victims. Because once you have, once you speak from a victim position, the person on the other side almost feel like I have to feel sorry for you in order for something to happen. And that's not how we should be portraying ourselves. That's not how we should be voicing the issues that affect women in trans. Yeah. Well, this is why I like your model of going from 16 to 36. Because what you're saying is that In this journey, part of the reason why women don't like bringing this conversation up is that people haven't created a clear model that shows the bottom line impact to somebody's life. If you go from an economic, from an emotional, psychological well-being, what we're doing between the age of 16 and 36 by not ensuring that transport is aligned is that we are inhibiting the growth and the development of both the woman, the community, and the country. So this is not a complaining episode. There's a business case. There's a social development case. There's a Mm. psychosocial case. And I think as long as we drive those conversations to those areas, the bottom line benefit to society, to the home, to the person, then it's not seen as complaining. But the moment you make it just you take it outside of the framework that you've designed, it does sound like complaining. The key with any conversation at a conference or anywhere is to provide a nice framework and a model from 16 to 36. These are the things that are happening to women if we don't change the system, which is crippling our society, crippling her and crippling the community. That's not complaining. Awesome. So I have a, a daughter, she turned three yesterday. Yes. By the time she turns 16, I have two sons. One is, is 15, one is eight. They have absolutely no limitations 
the boys have absolutely no limitations around moving themselves anywhere they want to move to. And my goal is to make sure that by the time Amate, my daughter, turns mm. 16, yes. these limitations are non-existent for her to advance her goals whichever direction she wants to go. She needs to grow up in an environment where she has equal access to opportunities. Having an opportunity is one thing. Having access to that opportunity is another. And the transport system is what provides access to opportunities. And if we have opportunities that are created for equal benefits, we need to then provide equal access so that we all can benefit from those opportunities. My goal is Amase must always grow in an environment where she's the level, the playing grounds are level. She has equal opportunities. She has equal access to whatever she wants to, to do as an individual. Her 20 year journey for between, 36, between 16 and 36 should not be limited by anything, yeah. any form of system, any form of policies and planning. Everything should be towards her favor, equally so to your boys. We're going to call this Project Amatle. And I want everyone listening who has a daughter, who knows someone with a daughter, maybe you got a niece, maybe you got a family member or a sister. I want you to be thinking about where this young woman could be if we get this transport conversation right, where she will be versus where she could be if we get it right. And that's called Project Amatle. Amatle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. This is really awesome. And I'm really inspired, Nangam, so for so many reasons, for every woman that I've ever seen, every young person, every daughter, most people are walking around with no clue of just how much and just how powerful this transport conversation is. And for me, it's just been really, really enlightening. So thank you. Thank you very much. My message for today is raise your voice to make the change you want to see. We appreciate your pioneering vision and thank everyone for joining us on this Investing in Women-Centric Transport series. Make sure you share it. Make sure you comment and engage. You can even hashtag on Twitter, Women in Transport. We'll be checking the hashtag and we have a number of series coming up in 2021. We invite you to share insight about what you'd like to hear. You want to be a part of it. You want to be research if you want to be inside of this mission with us make sure you reach out thank you so much again nangamso until the next time thank you cheers